Magic stepped down. What was that? How did you find that? Yeah, what was that process like? Through him. (laughs) You found out Magic stepped down through him. Yeah, it came locker room. Yeah, and I found out from from Randy. Between my stretching session, my right hand comes to me and say, Magic just stepped down. And I'm like, man, get the f*** out of my face. You bullshit. (laughs) I go check my phone. I look at it. The shit happened. Personally, for me, I came here to be a part of the Lakers organization, having a conversation with Magic. So it was just weird for him to just be like, I'm out of here. And not even have no like, hey, Bron, kiss my ass, I'm gone. It's not, it wasn't even that. Yeah, but it was different for me. Like, like when I was, I was like, damn, this shit crazy. <laughs> and I took a minute and I was like, yo, cool, so what we doing tonight? Like, <laughs> <laughs> Jordan, that was just LeBron James and Lonzo Ball discussing the moment they found out Magic Johnson left. Are you absolutely shocked like I am about Lonzo Ball? Just like, yo, Kuz, where are we partying at? Like, what's the, what's the move tonight? I'm, I'm, I'm changing my catchphrase after this. It's no longer going to be, hey, Raj, how you doing? It's, hey, Raj, what are we doing tonight? Hey. <laughs> yo, we're we not getting traded. That's what we're doing tonight because, uh... You know, that's what Magic Johnson was all about. Like, you know, uh, this is obviously something that is making Lonzo Ball very happy. That was probably the most disrespectful way to treat one of the greatest basketball players and probably one of the worst general manager tenures of all time. Yeah. I mean, I get it, right? You Mm. know, Lonzo was basically on every trade block block from September till May, so it makes sense to me that he's pretty excited that that guy's gone. However, even LeBron was kind of given a little bit of that blip to him, too, when it's like, oh yeah, kiss my ass, LeBron, I'm done. Like, he's imitating Magic in a negative way, which I... Could you ever imagine Magic talking to LeBron like that? No, no, that was shocking, yeah. Like, even LeBron seemed, like, very hurt by this. Like, wow, how could you just jump ship, you know? You, you come in here... You ruin the entire team, and then you peace out and just leave me here in this hot mess. Yeah, it's it's something else. I mean, like we talked about in our previous episode, we feel this is the best decision for Magic moving forward. But, uh, yeah, definitely LeBron's show brought a lot of interesting emotions to light that we didn't get to see from the player's side. Yeah, no doubt. And I, I think uh, we talked about this earlier about uh, – I guess Magic Johnson had his reasons for leaving as well. I mean, getting accidentally CC'd on emails. You know that 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 should happen at the workplace sometimes too. It could be very awkward, Jordan. Yeah, I mean the the genie the genie bus CC seems to be a uh, seems to be a major issue in the Lakers organization. Almost toxic at this point. But uh, yeah, if you get CC'd on something by genie. Better be praying to God that it's not going to be about your ass being traded. Yeah, you, you might find a pink slip in your uh, on your desk shortly after. So, uh, Jordan, with that, you ready to give and go? We got some playoff basketball to talk about. It's playoff. Let's give and go. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another fabulous episode of the Give and Go podcast. This is one half of the dream team. It's your boy, Raj Sharma. And I'm here 
with my main man, Jordan Taylor. Greeting the Los Angeles Lakers like an NBA 2K franchise, just like I do every weekend. Hey, yo, Raj, what are we doing tonight? <laughs> okay, Magic, relax, relax. We are here. We trying to talk about some some Raptors. Give me some Raptor news, Jordan. Give me some Raptor news. Hey, we've got NBA playoffs. We've got the second round, and we've got the Give and Go's second episode on the second round of 2019 playoffs. We're going to take you to the Battle of the North, and that is between Philadelphia and the Toronto Raptors. Yeah. Obviously, this game has just finished up. Game four, Toronto taking the win and tying the series up to Two, going back to the land up north where it's cold. <laughs> Raj, what do you got to say about another dominating effort by the Toronto Kawhis at this point? <laughs> because there, there's only one player that's keeping that team in this playoff competition, and that would be Kawhi Leonard. Man, having that juggernaut in this sort of like must-win game. Oh my goodness, he was absolutely unbelievable he, once again. It's it's amazing just watching the way he works. He gets to exactly where he wants to get. If you leave him open, like he's not gonna miss a shot. Kawhi is just unstoppable, and uh, you know he did he did have one minor blip where he had seven turnovers today because the the Sixers were putting a lot of pressure on him. But I give a lot of credit to some of the other guys too. Uh, Siakam was a game time decision today. He he did play, but he ended up missing his first eight shots of the game. Uh, finished with nine points. But hey, it was the others. The others that, that did contribute today, something they weren't doing for previous games this series. Lowry came out aggressive hitting shots. Gasol was taking his shots. Green hit some clutch free throws. Jordan, I, I think it was, a, it was a nice team effort on top of the performance by Kawhi. Uh, you saw you saw some of this game. Jordan, what did you think of uh, the others today? Well, it's become very apparent to me that this Siakam calf contusion is really affecting him. And while he needed to be out there and play, he was clearly not himself. He was able to put up points, but he was not hitting the shots that he normally does. Now, the rumor out of the NBA was that this particular calf contusion had come from the frustration of tripping Joel Embiid in Game 3 after Toronto had gotten a couple no-calls down on the offensive end. Yeah, uh, I, I agree with you that the Raptors' other players, mainly Kyle Lowry and Marcus Hall, showed up. They didn't show out, but they showed up today. And by golly, showing up seems to make the difference between being no-shows, like the seven-point performance that Kyle Lowry had. Holy whiskers! Yeah, totally right. And uh, and Coach Nick Nurse only went about six deep today in his lineup. Uh, we even saw at one point Raptors trotting out the ultra-tall lineup where they had Lowry... Kawhi at the two, Siakam at three, with Ibaka and Gasol out there on the floor. That is a massive lineup. But to be honest, that's the only way that they can combat the size of the Philadelphia 76ers. They were just getting murdered on the glass. And uh, they seem to have found their answer. Playing big, Jordan. You know what? I like those lineups. I, I, I talked about the way that you have to compete against Philadelphia is you have to go big. 
it's been very apparent that the bench of Toronto is too small to compete with Philadelphia. Let alone that, but our certified random Raptor scrub killer, James Ennis III, was more neutralized in game four tonight. Uh, you know, we talked about Ben Simmons not having a good game. Philadelphia has the luxury of Jimmy Butler running the points, and they don't need to turn to TJ McConnell in case that happens. So, in order for Toronto to compete, I think it makes perfect sense when you have a lineup that can switch your small forward into your starting point guard, you have to go big. There's no other way you're going to be able to do it without having major issues of rebounding and trying to shoot over taller opponents on the offensive end. Yep, yeah, totally, man. And it, it, it seems like now this thing could go the distance. You know, I had said Raptors in five when this thing started, but it looks like this thing might go the distance. Um, now the Raptors have regained home court advantage. So the next game's on Tuesday. So we'll... Uh, We'll probably have our next check-in after that game. We'll see what adjustments everybody makes. Well, uh, let's talk about one last thing before we switch. Sure, what's that? Joel Embiid. Is he the dominant player from the regular season as he is in the second round? Uh, no, no, he hasn't been quite as dominant. He had a breakout game in that game three, but besides that, he's been fairly quiet. Um, I, I don't know, I... I thought that uh, Marcus Gasol has been doing a great job on him, and he did so again tonight. W what are your thoughts on that? I think there is something severely wrong with Joel Embiid. Yeah. I don't know if he is trying to fight through his stomach flu, but it is not his normal self, and it is severely affecting him. I, I credit Nick Nurse a lot for his lineups, but I think Joel Embiid is a transitional superstar talent, and uh, it's showing that it's not his regular self. Billy needs to figure that out quickly, or else they may be walking home early to go fishing. Yeah, we'll uh, we'll keep an eye on that because again, he was also like a game time call today with apparently a stomach flu. But yeah, conspiracy theory Jordan out here trying to trying to find something else out. All right, man. Uh, let's talk about the other series out east. Uh, the Boston Celtics, who came out with a very convincing game one victory against the Milwaukee Bucks. Since then, the Greek freak has had enough. And the Bucks have rattled off two straight wins with Game 4 coming down in Boston tomorrow night. Uh, what do you expect uh, of this game, Jordan? I expect more Giannis. Hey, yeah. I expect more Giannis. Hey, yeah. I, talking about Game 1, you know, I, I, I shake my head sometimes in the comments that Paul Pierce makes when he is one of the announcers on ESPN's Jump. And he said that the Celtics had this under control. And I, I had said it at the very beginning of the series, this is going to be a really good series to watch again. It's going to go the distance seven games, like most of the second round for the NBA playoffs. And the reason behind that is because Giannis has a lot of help around him. So if he doesn't have a spectacular game, which for him it's, it's very hard for him not to, considering the talent level he has, he has the ability to get his other teammates involved. I mean, everyone's talking about Al Horford being the Giannis killer. But Al Horford, you know, he does a good job of slowing him down. He does not do a good job of stopping him. Raj, what do you think about the defense that Boston has employed in the last couple games to try and slow down Giannis' attack in the basket? Mostly Jalen Brown and Al Horford, yeah. you know, clogging the paint to prevent him from getting any sort of steam on his fast breaks or even his dribble penetration. For sure, they're, they seem to be just building a wall, basically, to, to prevent Giannis from actually getting to the hoop and, and fast breaking on them. 
Uh, it's been it's been great. It's been working relatively well to slow him down the first couple games, but you know, there's only so much you can do when you have a you know another transcendent transcendent type of superstar like Giannis Antetokounmpo. Like he's a. Uh, I think he's going to impose his will on this game again, uh, like he's been doing. I just, I don't know if the Celtics are going to be able to do enough to, uh, to to actually slow him down in this game four. Um, they'll need a big, big performance out of uh, their bench and out of Kyrie if they want to like get this next game in. They've been trying all sorts of people. On, on Giannis, and uh, they're going to need a team effort for sure to, to pull out a win here in Game 4. Well, let, let's look at the stats from Game 3. I just want to bring a couple things up before we move on here. You know, obviously, Milwaukee, Bo- Booty, our, our good man Mike Budenholzer, made the change, and you know, rightfully so, put Sterling Brown onto the bench and replaced him with Nikola Miritich, sliding Keith Milton to the shooting guard position. That's allowed Miritich to play a little bit more minutes and in a little bit of his more natural position, and it's getting a lot more guys open. You know, the saviors of that game particularly were George Hill and Pat Connaughton. Eric Bledsoe, still a mystery about where he is for this second round, having a really tough time trying to guard and keep up with playoff Kyrie Irving, like anyone should, a transcendent, talented player. So I don't think it's, you know, I think everybody is playing well. I think what's really going to come down to here is who's going to be that guy that steps up in that particular game. We know Giannis is going to get 25 to 30. We know Kyrie's in that same category. It's the guys behind them. Miritich, Middleton, George Hill, Bledsoe, Lopez. Like, who's going to step up behind them to keep the, uh, to keep them in the competition? Yeah, no, I hear you. And, and we finally had Jalen or uh, a Jason Tatum sighting in the last game. Like he's he was averaging five points a game up until the last game, where he uh, he broke out and had a twenty point eleven rebound game. So uh, I, I think the the young Boston players benefit from playing at home. So in my opinion, this is a must win game four for the Boston Celtics. Otherwise. Game five, winning that in Milwaukee is going to be tough for this young Celtics squad. Absolutely. Now, before we move on to the next uh, sequence, do you think the refs are favoring Giannis with superstar calls? Kyrie Irving came on after game three and said that it was ridiculous how many calls Milwaukee and specifically Giannis was getting when driving to the basket. Man, I don't know. This is just something that happens in the NBA. I'm getting a little tired of hearing about all these players complaining about refing and complaining about... You know, that, that seems to be the only thing anybody wants to talk about these days. Um, similar to, you know, the Golden State-Houston series where all anybody wants to discuss is, oh, are the refs giving James Harden enough calls? Are the refs giving Giannis too many calls? Or, you know, it's we need to talk about what they're actually doing out on the floor. And, uh, you know, the, the Milwaukee Bucks, they made adjustments and their bench came to play. George Hill, Pat Connaughton, they, they stepped up big time. And, uh, and and they got the win for them. So I, I, I'm not rolling with that uh, Kyrie notion because he gets plenty of those calls himself. Yeah, it's, it's about basketball. It's not about the referees making those whistles. Agreed. Totally, man. Um, let's move out west here, Jordan. Uh, let's talk about the game. Man, what a game we had on 
uh, what was that, Friday night with game three of the uh, Portland Trailblazers versus Denver Nuggets, where the, that game went to quadruple overtime with the Portland Trailblazers taking that win. And uh, I'll talk a little bit also about the game four that just happened today with Denver then coming back and tying the series up tonight. Uh, Jordan, what were your thoughts on that quadruple overtime game? And uh, I'll have you know, I went out to the bar, had some drinks with some friends, and was stumbling home, and the game was still on when I got home. Yeah. It was like past 11.30, and the game was still going. Unbelievable. And what a game. I mean, you want to talk about some epic stat lines. It has been Denver's Nikola Jokic for a triple-double. He played 65 minutes that night. And the other guy I got to give a shout-out to is CJ McCollum with 40, 41. And he also had 60 minutes. 60 minutes, Raj. That's almost the equivalent of two games at, at some points here. That is a lot of minutes. And for these guys to not foul out, continue playing at that high level, that's impressive. I mean, there's some talk about Jokic elbowing Enes Cantor on the free throw line, uh, already having a separated shoulder and, you know, potentially causing more damage. A lot of people talk about how that's a dirty play. Uh, Raj, anyone else in this series particularly that has stood out for you or a la coming out party in Denver and Portland series that you want to talk about? Uh, yeah, man, I want to talk about the young shooter there, Jamal Murray. The was it? The Blue Arrow, uh, as he likes to be called. Uh, he's had back-to-back now 34-point games in this series. He is absolutely busting out and showing why he is currently the top Canadian player in basketball. Um, I, I just think his all-around game, his composure, his ability to hit clutch shots, he, he's got the full package here. Um, I, I've been a big supporter of this guy from early on in his career, before he was in the NBA, watching him take Team Canada to a, a gold medal against Team USA. Uh, in the junior level, so I, I absolutely love his game. He's he's improved a lot, and uh, you know, Jokic he had his fourth triple double of the playoffs uh, tonight. Actually, when they're uh, the game tying, our series tying game, uh, incredible basketball, high level being played by both these teams. Whoever comes out of this series, man, they they've worked their asses off to get to that point, and. Uh, it, it's a dogfight out west, like we, we always thought it was going to be. And you know what? Shout out to Ennis Cantor, man. He's he, I know he was getting all, a lot of flack when he was playing for the Knicks and, and all sorts of things earlier this year. But, man, he puts his body on the line for that team. Like, I've had separated shoulders, and I know what that feels like. And to, for him to be out there playing despite all that, like, it's insane to me. Like, I, I don't even think he should be out there playing right now. But... He's, he does it all for the playoffs, man. He's working for that. Um, I, I just, uh, th- that's all I got on, on this one, man. It's tied four, or tied at two games apiece, and we're going back to Denver now uh, for game five. So the Nuggets, they've got a whole quarter should not be back. playing. And his counter should not be playing. I'm serious about that. He had five points and ten rebounds tonight. He's not effective for the Portland team. So he's got to get out, and we got to get somebody else to step up. A Zach Collins, and we got to activate this scout of PCLA. You know what? It sounds crazy, but I just don't think that a separated shoulder canter 
is going to get the W done for Portland. Well, they don't have many other options, man. Like outside of uh, outside of Cantor, like Collins just is not not big enough to uh, to handle Jokic at all, and neither is Myers Leonard, and neither is Labazier. Like they don't really have anyone else because of the unfortunate injury to Yusuf Nurkic. So I think Jokic Jokic isn't a bruiser by any means. Oh, yes, he'll... he would be a challenge to keep off the boards. But he's a finesse. The boy is a finesse center. And I feel like Denver is taking advantage of Cantor right now. And hence the reason Nikola Jokic is averaging a triple-double. You know, so it's not working, guys. You need to figure out somebody else who's going to slow Jokic down. And if you slow Jokic down, you slow Denver down. Well, easier said than done, man. Um, agree. Agree. Yeah. Well... Jordan, let's uh, let's talk about the very last series that we haven't reached yet. Uh, this one, the Rockets, a desperate Houston Rockets team, played the Warriors as tough as anyone could, and they pulled out the overtime victory last night, Saturday night. Um, spectacular games from James Harden, and, and Eric Gordon especially was impressive to me. And... Uh, and, and now it's 2-1, and the Rockets have a glimmer of hope, Jordan. Like, do, do you think the Rockets have any chance of, of making this a series? Yeah, you are so right. Uh, going into this game, I I was expecting a lot more of the Golden State, and I was quite concerned for Houston's future based on them potentially getting swept out of the second round by Golden State. Um, I want you to speak a little bit more about Eric Gordon. Obviously, I'm looking at 30 points 45 minutes of play, shooting over 50% from the field and 50% from the three-point line. It looks like he just got hot. Did you see something else that I missed in that game that would speak to Eric Gordon being on the court for more than just being a spot-up shooter? No, that was it, man. They they needed secondary offense, and uh, and Eric Gordon did that. He's he's unafraid of that big moment, you know. Like he he thrives. It wasn't something I I envisioned him being, you know, like. I didn't think he was that type of star player, but he's really emerged this playoffs, and uh, he's given James Harden a lot of relief here as a secondary scorer uh, to take a lot of the pressure off. I think he had like six or seven threes in that game. Um, And, you know, as much as this was the Rockets taking that win, it was also a lot of the Warriors, and particularly Steph Curry, not grasping the opportunity to steal this win from the Houston Rockets, Curry had a missed layup and a missed dunk in the final two minutes of the game. Uh, Jordan, is it just me or does Steph Curry look a little hobbled out there? He's looking very injured to me. He just doesn't seem to have the same explosiveness and quickness that I'm used to seeing from him. Uh, am I going crazy? I, I don't I don't think he's crazy. I think it was very apparent that he was not at 100% going into game one. Uh, both him and uh, Clay being kind of questionable for that game one period. But they're playing through it, and they're playing 40-plus minutes a night because there's no one else that they can play on that bench consistently against guys like James Harden and Chris Paul. They have to be the ones out there. You know, I talk about Ennis Cantor, you know, having a hard time. Could you imagine Quinn Cook on Chris Paul or Quinn Cook on James Harden? Cooking themselves into a playoff loss. Yeah, it'd be disaster. Barbecue chicken, as Shaq likes to say. I think the most important thing we have to realize is that this is the Golden State Warriors we're talking about. So, you know, Kevin Durant 
46 points over 50 minutes on 45% shooting. You don't have to be at 100% when you've got that much offensive firepower. What I do have to say is you have to be smart with the basketball when you do have it. A la Steph Curry breaking through the defense and blowing a wide open layup instead trying to pull a vintage Jordan Taylor move and trying to cram it in the last seconds to really you know, put that uh, <laughs> exclamation point onto the, the, the game. Yeah. And uh, that backfired. And that, all, that basically cost them the game. Oh, it did, 100%, man. He tried to, he's like, oh, I missed the layup last time. Let me let me try and dunk it on my bum-ass ankles. And uh, yeah. it, it didn't work. And they paid for it. And now Houston, they're hungry. You know, they've wanted this moment for years and years. And they've been waiting. And now's their chance. This, again, is a must-win game for Houston Rockets tomorrow night, Monday night. Um, you play Golden State every game because you cannot afford to give them the luxury of getting their shots and getting good looks and making them. Because when they start doing that, it's, it's impossible to guard. They start getting their group and start feeling Kevin Durant is like over 30 points a game right now. He's just absolutely dominating and there's nothing they can do about it. I just want to maybe speak to one other thing though, Raj. I want you to give me your opinion on this. How is Clint Capella not dominating Draymond Green at the Yeah, you know what? It, it, they've changed. It was interesting. I was watching their defensive rotations, and uh, it's, you know, when you play the same team over and over again, you can really game plan to stop certain actions. And, you know, they've completely shut down his roll to the basket. All those lob passes he was used to getting in the regular season, those have been completely shut down. You know, the, the Warriors have scouted the plays where they like to have Harden there, throwing it up to him, and, and they're just getting there first. They're, they're getting to the spots. They're intercepting the ball. They're not letting him get comfortable. And it's really cost the Houston Rockets because they rely heavily on that ability to have a big man who can just catch it in the air and finish with high efficiency. It, it actually forced the Rockets to play P.J. Tucker at the center position for long stretches of the game because he was just fighting harder and was able to give them more. And, and P.J. Tucker's a bull. He's an absolute bull down there. So uh, it'll be interesting to see if Mike D'Antoni can counter that and find other ways to get Clint Capella involved because that was one area where I thought the Rockets had an advantage over Golden State with Boogie Cousins being out. So you think it's purely coming down to effort, hustle, and Draymond Green wanting it more? Not not just Draymond. It's the entire like Warriors. They they've designed their defensive schemes to stop that play, and they've just made him completely ineffective. Okay. That's something to keep an eye out for next game. Watch watch when uh, they try and throw those lob passes. You see guys coming help side from the weak side coming and just intercepting and just getting to the spot first just because they've scouted it so well. It's uh, a little intricacies, a little my basketball nerd coming out trying to watch their defensive schemes and rotations, how they've differed from the regular season. In case you missed it, Internet, there's a great video on ESPN right now showing Draymond Green guarding five different positions in Game 3 in one defensive set. He's the fifth and that's pretty impressive for a starting center, fifth right now in 
miles ran per game in the playoffs. That's something crazy. Like, like I think it's between two and five miles a game right now, just based on the amount of back and forth. Insanity. So a lot of miles that you got to run to get to the position that Draymond Green's in, especially at that size and height of the player. It's all about that hustle, and I think that's the Golden State Warriors championship pedigree that they come to know and expect from Draymond Green. Yeah, totally, man. He's uh, he is like the heart and soul of that team. He he fuels them and gets them going when they're down. So, uh, it, it's interesting. He's he's reemerged here, and he's gonna have a major factor here in Game Four if the uh, Warriors want a chance to completely close the books here on the Houston Rockets championship run. Uh, Jordan, I, I think that's all the time we got today, man. Hey, no problem. Guys, this has been another episode, second episode of round two of the NBA playoffs with your hosts, Rajan Sharma and Jordan Taylor. Remember, you can find us at all your favorite social media outlets, including Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Don't forget to download or listen to our podcast at any one of the following options, including YouTube, SoundCloud, iTunes, or on apps wherever you get your podcasts, including podcasts at it. Don't forget, it's spelled give the letter N, go podcast. Finally, I'd like to give a shout out to our always fabulous one and only sponsor, basketballers.ca, where you can find up-to-date information on all your latest NBA news. This has been the Give and Go. Give you the information, now go do something with it. Give and go. And we out.